If you want to turn to Genesis, uh, I, I don't know that I've ever really um, shared uh, out of this passage in Genesis in chapter 29, and uh, as I was praying yesterday and just seeking God, I, I heard this um, on the inside of me, this, uh, you know, I've, I've heard people say, why, why do I even bother? I mean, I've, do, I've, done, I've done all this, why, why bother? Why don't I just quit? You know, and the title of the message is Why Try? And I think there are lots of different reasons that that, that thought comes. Why, why would I even bother? Why should I even try? Maybe you started off poorly and, and you know that, you know, it just seems like it's never going to happen. Or maybe you were in it to win it for a while and then things kind of went sideways on you and, you know, you just think, well, there's too much stuff. You know, there's too much down the road. There's, I've, I've been through too much. You know, why would I even try now? I'm too old, I'm too young, whatever that excuse is. I'm too tall, too skinny, too short. I don't think you could be too tall. I love tall people. But um, <laughs> I, it's, 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 but that, just came, that, that, that thought just came to me. You know, I, why even bother? And then the, instantly, when I, when I thought, why try, God said, because I'm faithful. Because I'm faithful. And he, and he, he shot me back to the first message that, that I preached uh, in January uh, 2011, on January 23rd, the, the day that we were installed as pastors and uh, with Pastor Pam and Bill, and, and uh, that message was, God is faithful. I believe God is faithful. And, and he took me back to that place, because there are moments and there are times where we don't, we don't know that it's really ever going to work. And, and we, we, we wake up sometimes, and, and things go absolutely sideways for that day or that week, and we just think it's over. But you know when I started thinking that? When I got my life right. When I was a jacked-up mess, I had, no, I had no doubt that God would come through and that he was faithful. I don't know why that is, and I don't know if that's your experience or just my own. But, but the whole time that, that when I was 17 years old and called into the ministry, from that, from that I was pretty good for that year, uh, 17, 18, that year was, that was a really good year for me. And uh, if I can go back, I mean, that was a, that was a nice one. I, was, I became class president, I was I preached in chapel, I was really like headed, and then I went to ORU and went downhill. I don't know what happened, expect a miracle, I tried, but I, no, I, I picked my own stuff. But I, I went sideways there for a while. During that whole time I went sideways, I had no doubt that God would do what he promised me. Elizabeth shared it the other day, you know, it was, it was that thing that, that we would sit down and we would talk and when we would go to the park and we'd play backgammon and, and do some other things that aren't legal in, in most of the states uh, in, in this country, um, we, we would talk and we would share what God, had, what God had showed us and what he had told us and what we felt like was going, going to do through us. And I never had a doubt. But then as soon as, I, as soon as I got my life right in January 1995, as soon as I got my life right in that moment, then I started wondering, are you going to come through or not? Like, how does, that, how does that happen? That for all those years I was a mess, I knew the truth from, from a seed that was planted in my heart, and I knew God was faithful. Maybe that was just my excuse to continue doing what I was doing, I don't know. But once, once, I, once my, I changed my life around in 1995, I, I began to wonder, is it really ever going to happen? And this story um, about Jacob and Laban, you know, I've read this story a bunch. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, I, I always come against Laban and think, you know what, you nasty little, you changed the rules on him halfway through the game. You cheated him, you know, all these kind of things. But then I remember, well, Jacob was a big fat cheat too. He just stole the birthright from his brother. I mean, God is faithful. And this is like a 20-year, this is a 20-year process for, for Jacob. 
you know, 20 year process. And, and it, 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 it's a crazy, I mean, it's a crazy story. But if you, if you begin in verse 15, it says, Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now, this, would, uh, this doesn't happen today, but could you imagine going to work for like Brad Marshall and saying, Brad says, what's your wages going to be? And you say, you got a cute daughter. I mean, that, that would be a bizarre. You wouldn't say that. But Laban, they say, he had two daughters, and the name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And, and it says Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and, and appearance. Now, now, Jacob, it says, loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, for your youngest daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give you her than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. Verse 20 says, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed, it says, only like a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all of the men in the, of, the, of the place and he made a feast. And now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her and, and Laban gave his maid, Zilpah, to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that when he woke up, I don't know how he didn't know, you know, the veil and the things, and I don't know, you know, but he says, you cheated me. What have you done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you for these years and you've deceived me? And Laban said, it must be done that I give the older before the younger. And then he told him, you fulfill her week and we will give, I will give you this other one also, Rachel, for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. And then it goes down, and then finally in verse 30, it said, Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved her more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years once he had her. And then if you go on past it, that's 14 years, but there's another six years in there that he toiled along with the sheep and all the things with Laban. And, and it's, it, it, it seems like, you know, he's being cheated and he's being twisted. God's faithful. He had a plan for Jacob's life. He had a plan to bring these 12 tribes through him into the earth. Now get this. You think your life is a sordid mess. These tribes were all from Jacob, but they came from four different women. I mean, they came from Rachel and Leah and then the two maids. And I, I mean, it's they're fighting each other. And they're, I mean, it's like, gosh, they're coming. I mean, they're, they're, they're throwing one maid in front of the other and they're jumping in front of them saying, take me now. And I mean, it's just like, holy cow, what, what's going on? All of these things kind of go sideways. But, and, and you know, Jacob, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what he's thinking. But all these kids are coming. You know, it, you may think that things have gone crazy and sideways and your story is just out there somewhere. Listen, God can take out there somewhere and he can bring something great. Romans 8, 28 says he turns all things around for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that verse in verse 20 really stood out to me, you know, when I, when I read this that time, that, that he served for seven years and they seemed like just a few days. Didn't say that about the second seven. Didn't say that about the next six. It said that about the first seven. That we can start off and head down the right path, and they can seem like just a few days. How many of you, I mean, you just, you fall in love with God, he begins to do things. He, now I'm not saying Rachel's, but he fell in love with Rachel, and it didn't matter what was up. It didn't matter how long. It didn't matter what he had to do. It was like a few days to him, because he loved her so much. We come after God, we come after Jesus, and we, we follow him, and he begins to, to work in our lives, and we begin to serve him in an, in an exciting and new way. And man, I'm telling you, the years can go by, and, and you, but then, it doesn't say that about the second seven and the next six. 
You know, God, time to God is different. The one thing that I see in this story that God showed me that was a little bit different than probably my story or your story is this. God doesn't necessarily set time terms with us. Jacob got to serve Laban for seven years. He knew seven years. God just asks you to serve him. And he doesn't, he doesn't give us the opportunity. We're the ones, many times, who come to him and make terms. I mean, I only know this because I, you know, I, I did it myself. This is the last year I'm teaching God. I'm just telling you right now. Well, no, it'll be, there'll be another one after that <laughs> if you don't get your attitude right. You know, it was, that, it, was that kind of, it was that kind of thing. Listen, God, you told me to do I'm doing this. This is what you want to do. I'm, I'm doing it. Can, you, can we please just move on now? Can we please get to the next thing? Can we please grow? Can we please go? Can we, can we please well, as I began to put time limits on God, it seemed like it wasn't a few days anymore. It became a long time. It wasn't nearly this long, 20 years. Abraham waited 25 for Isaac, and Joseph, between his dream and destiny, was some 20 years. He was, no, it's 27 years. Son. He was 13 years just to get to Pharaoh, and then 14 years through the, the good and the bad years before he saw the fulfillment of the dream that God had given him. We don't, we don't necessarily, we're an instant society. We don't, we don't necessarily uh, get into that so much. We want terms with God. We want time frame with God. We, we know that you'll do whatever you said you'd do. Okay, you're faithful. But can you do it within these two years, three years, four years, six months, one month? And God doesn't say, will you serve me for four years and then we'll do this. He just asks and says to us, will you serve me? We're Esau many times. We will give up the ship for a morsel of bread. He gave up his birthright. I mean, this is the same guy, story right before that. He gave up his birthright because he said, why would I even go on another day, right? Why would I even try to live? It's, I'm, I'm so in trouble. I'm so famished. I'm so far in debt. I'm so sick. My kids are so messed up. My life is, is just crazy. It's gone sideways. I haven't seen anything happen in my life in 20 years. I'm dry. I'm dusty. None of this is ever going to work. It's not going to happen. All of these thoughts and stories. And so when Jacob comes, he trade, what, what good is my birthright? He said to me, if I shall perish here, hungry for a bowl of soup. Yet he traded his birthright for the bowl of soup. In 2 Timothy, and you can look here, and I wanted to read this because it's been on my heart, and and it's been a a passage of Scripture that we've read in this church for a while now lately, and I believe it's true, and starting to see it happen all over the the world. It says in verse 2 in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving slanders without self-control, brutal despisers of God, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away, it says. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And if you skip down then and go over to verse 13, he begins to make it a little bit more appealing for Timothy, I think. Paul says, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But he says, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Keep trying. Keep plugging away. Keep moving. Don't turn away from what you know. 
Don't turn away from what the truth is. There were moments in time where I just wanted to, to quit along the way. What, did you, what, what was in your heart in the beginning? You know, when Elizabeth and I got engaged, um, we're almost, almost 25, it was, about, it was almost 25 years ago. We're going to 25 years in May. So uh, it was almost 25 years ago we got engaged and I met her, her parents for the first time. And I wanted to make a good impression because I'd never met them before. And so we were in West Virginia, and, and uh, you know, I was uh, asking her hand in marriage or whatever. I don't know what I was doing. I was, I was stoned, actually. Sorry. But, you know, I was, uh, her brother's a real smoker. So I, I, it was, I ate beets, too, because, you know, I, mean, it's, I just did because I, I wanted her parents to like me. And, and when we were, I was going through and saying all the right Christian stuff to these Christian people because I have a Christian upbringing. Uh, but, again, I'm not living particularly correctly. And so, but when I, when that went, like, one of the last things I said to them was, you know, like, what's your plan? Like, you two are idiots. Look at you. You look like a, you got a ponytail. I mean, what are you doing? You look like a, anyway. So I, I, I was like, yeah, I love your daughter, man. <laughs> so <and> she, <laughs> he's like, sorry, Mom. I just have a different twist on this story. I've left this part out a few times. But, um, <laughs> you know, trying to impress these wonderful Christian people. Um, that I'm meeting for the first time, and I, and I said, um, yeah, well, our, our plan is, you know, to go to RU, finish RU, then we want to move back to Indiana and help my parents with their church. Now, I, I, if it was, you know, you speak out of the abundance of your heart, so I think that was probably true, I, you know, but uh, it was the, the most Christian and nice thing I could say, because I want to take her with me. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm not, I, but I'm not making a time deal with anybody, I'm just saying this is what we, you know, we plan to do. Watch out what you, I mean, God knows. He put it in your heart. When you things come out of your mouth, those things won't return void. God's word will not return void. It is planted in your heart, just like seed is planted in this earth to bring forth a harvest. He knows. He knows that's in here. He knows that it's a little bit sordid. He knows that, that I've, I've been a little bit this way and that way. He knows that, uh, that I've been up and down and had some, had some bumps and bruises along the way. And, but he says, keep trying because I'm faithful. Don't stop trying. In Jude chapter 3, it says, contend for the faith. And that word contend means to struggle in opposition, to compete, to wrestle, to battle, and to fight. There's a quote that I like, and I've shared it before, but it says, all the adversity that I've had in my life, all my troubles, the obstacles, they've all strengthened me. You may not realize it when it happens, but a kick in the teeth may be the best thing in the world for you. That's Walt Disney. I mean, you can't imagine Pluto kicking, you know, Donald Duck in the teeth or anything, but sometimes a kick in the teeth is just the thing you need. There are trials and tests and things that happened. You look at Jacob's life, and, and I'm not saying he, he ended up in that situation because he cheated his brother or anything. I mean, I, you, you can't go back and do those kind of things. That's, that's not who we are as believers. That's not what God, man, he wipes the slate clean. There's not those things that go back and forth. You put yourself in some tough situations that have tough consequences. I guess so. But in this whole story of things, he comes out of that deal with two wives, all this slew of kids, and all of these animals and all of this stuff and all of the wealth, so much so that he wants to split it up into two so he doesn't look like he's too rich when he finally meets his brother again. You know, what terms do we set on God? You know, is it one year? Is it two years? Is it six years? Is it seven? I've just found that God doesn't deal in time so much the same way we do. 
And that once we settle in our heart that we're okay and we're going to follow God, then he begins somehow to operate the clock. But if you're going to be fidgety and you're going to be, you're going to be cranky and you're going to be crotchety about the time and is it going to happen or not going to happen and all these things, it's like time stands still. It didn't seem like 28 years. It seemed like 128 years that it took from that word for my life in, in that chapel that day when I was 17 or 18 to the time that, that we came into this position. I mean, it was, that's, that's 28 years. It seemed, seemed like 128 why? Well, because I, 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 I lost my first love. I lost my direction. I lost my way, whatever that particular thing might be. It says in, uh, in Matthew 25, it's the story of the talents. And in verse 19, there's a, very, there's, a, there's a short piece right here that Jesus says in verse 19. He says that after a long time, the master came back. It's the story in the parable of the talents and how he gave, to the, he gave to the young men the talents and they were supposed to use those talents. We assumed, you know, the guy went on vacation, came back in a couple of weeks. It says, after a long time, he came back. I'm the one, you're the one who agreed with God to do what he said to do. Why do I then get to set that time frame on when it happens or if it doesn't? or I'll do it, or I won't. So there's patience that's built up in following God. And patience, I mean, it's not, it's not a, just a virtue. I mean, patience is a fruit. You know, in Kung Fu, Master Po says, patience, grasshopper, you know? That's a little bit before some of well, you wouldn't have any idea, Luke. Sorry, but for the rest of us, I mean, we're, we're on the edge. These other, some of these other people, they know who they're talking about. It's David Carradine, right? Master Po and patience, grasshopper. You know, it's that thing. In James chapter 1, it says, In the Message Bible, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try, it says, to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And the New King James, it says in verse 3, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience. When I put a time frame on God, it doesn't build patience. It's the opposite. Makes me antsy. When I take the time frame off of God, like Jacob said, I'll serve her for seven years, but I love her so much, I don't care if it's a thousand years. I love her, it seems like a few days. Why? Because patience is built up. Through that time and through that process. Patience is just bearing provocation, annoyance, delay, hardship, or pain with fortitude and calm without complaint without complaint anger or the like and really the thing that i realize and recognize in this is the scripture that i can't get away from too in hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 it says do not become we know the verse says in the end imitate those who receive the promises through faith and patience but in the beginning of that it says do not become sluggish there's a, there's a fight, just like in Galatians, where it says once you've planted your seed, realize there's going to be a harvest. Don't grow weary in well-doing. It says continue with the joy and the strength of the Lord in what you're doing. Don't let your feelings ruin your testimony. God is faithful. That's why I try. Well, I've fallen, you know, all these, uh, yeah, but God is faithful. 
That's why I, I try. That's why I get up every day. That's why you go into what God has for you. That's why you, you take that next step. That's why you, you go into the, the next journey. That's why you stay where you are. That's why you continue to, to, to fight for the man. That's why you continue to, whatever it is. Why? Because God's faithful, man. And if, and if I, am, I am faithful here in this little thing, he will be faithful in that thing. And it does get irritating, it becomes a problem, and I know in my life I only get cantankerous when I, when I don't deal with the irritations well. Joel Osteen has a great teaching on irritation and, and, the, and the, the way that it makes a pearl in your life. That you can't have a pearl without irritation, because the whole idea of the pearl is that the oyster is irritated by sand that's gotten in the inside, and so it coats this sand until it becomes a pearl over a period of time. It's a lot like that in our life. I'm sure for Jacob, Laban was quite an irritation after those seven years. Because the first seven, it says they were like a few days. So I assume he was having patience in his life and and loving God and loving Rachel and doing those things. But then it doesn't say that about that next 13 years. And he actually gets cranky at one point and says, you've changed my wages ten times. You know, he finally had had enough. But then he stuck out the rest of it. I don't want anything. I don't want it to be said, you baby. I don't want any of your stuff. I just want the speckled sheep, and I want the ones that aren't worth anything. Give me those. And out of that, God did a miracle and and made a difference. But listen, this is what irritate, because there there is irritation in our lives. The word irritate, though, is, and when I looked it up, it was really interesting. It says it's the act of exciting to impatience. I didn't deal with irritations very well. Became cranky, had periods of great joy and periods of great sorrow. Uh, I wasn't necessarily on a roller coaster that God had put me on, but I had got in the seat and shut the bar on myself, and we're going up and down and around and around. Sometimes it was great fun. Sometimes I threw up on the sidewalk. It was all over the place. That, but that's this, that's this walk of life. That's this following God. That's that human side of us that doesn't always do things right. Then we make mistakes. We want to listen and follow God's voice and do what he says every time. But, but listen, there are, there are, you know, there's, there's, there's four ladies in this and there's 12 tribes. That is, that is not what you would call the storybook ending to that. A lot of people today think, man, God can't do anything with me and he can't use me because of my past. Are you kidding? Look at this deal. I mean, this is where it all started. You just have to determine and I just have to determine how will we deal with this period? How will we deal with this service? How will we deal with a long time? How will we deal with these people in our lives how will we deal with the irritation? Because it will either irritate you to a point of impatience or you will take care of that irritation and it will become a pearl in your life. In 2 Timothy, we get to make the choice. Chapter 2, in verse 20, it says, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter, the common use, will be instruments for special purpose, made wholly useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. 
A lot of people spend their life running away from all the irritants. Only to find another one. You won't, you won't escape it. Coming from school, I thought graduating college and getting a job as a teacher would solve all my, my ills. It didn't. I thought going from school to church full-time would solve all my ills. It didn't. There are irritations everywhere. They're sitting right next to you. I mean, they're all over. I mean, we, you know... You probably are somebody's great pearl in the making. You are probably agitating and irritating somebody to a point that God's trying to build a pearl in their life. But I'm telling you, people run away from that. And if Jacob gets upset and says, you know what, forget you, man. I've done my seven. I've done my years. They were like a few days, but now you're going to trick me and trade me women. And now I'm going to get Rachel, but I'm going to have to stay another seven years. Forget you. I'm out. Would it have gone the way that it went? As he went through, you know, he, he, he allowed that. I mean, you got to deal with it, right? He allowed that irritation in his heart to make a pearl. And he walked out with all of that, with all that stuff. There's always going to be a pearl in the making on the inside of you. But that means there's always going to be an irritation. We don't, we don't like to say that because we're, you know, charismatic folks who love God. But I do know this, there are tests and trials that come our way. And that person that you've been trying to get away from, God's got another one just like him if you get away from him. (laughs) That job that you don't like, God's got another one if you try to get out of that one. Through all of this, Elizabeth tried to make her own way to be a teacher. And man, it 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 was one bad thing after another in our life. But once she said, you know what, God, this is an irritation. I want to learn what you have for me to learn. Teach me what you want me to know. Help me become what I'm supposed to be in this place. Whatever it is, I just, I, you know what, I don't want to fight it anymore. I, I just want you to do in me the work that you want to do in me. Man, she's been teaching for 15 years or something. God's faithful. Joel Osteen uses uh, an example of a codfish and a catfish. And uh, these people in New England were... They sell cod, and, and they, they were freezing the cod and sending it to the stores. But when it got to the stores, it didn't have any flavor. So they were trying to figure out a way to, to, to make it taste like it did on the East Coast. And so they, they put them in these big tanks of water in these, in these plains and put the codfish in there. But over the trip, the codfish just kind of laid around, and they didn't do anything, and they got kind of f- fluffy, and, and the, the meat still didn't taste any good. So somebody came up with this idea and had this thought. What if we put a catfish in the tank with the codfish? Because the catfish is the natural enemy to the codfish. He's an irritant. But you know what that did? It allowed the, it made the cod be more alert, be more awake, move around, keep his eyes on stuff. It made, it made the codfish actually do things so that it didn't become unflavorful. It actually helped the codfish then retain its flavor. God says if we lose our salt, what good are we? If we lose the salt in our life, what good are we? Because the salt is given. We are the salt and light of this earth. We've been put in here to bring flavor to the earth. The Message Bible in Matthew 5 says that we bring flavor and great God colors into this world and into this existence. But if we lose our salt, what good is that? If we lose our flavor, what good is that? It's not good for anything. 
What's irritating you? <laughs> you know? Have you stopped trying? Have you stopped caring? Have you stopped giving? Have you stopped loving? Have you worked your seven? <laughs> and now you see another seven in your future? Have you said, okay, God, I'm good. I'm going to follow you. But you got, you got three months. You got three years. And then, then I, what, we, don't, we don't ever put a, then I'm not going to. See, we don't ever put it, we don't ever say that I'm walking out and I'm, I'm going back to my old life. We don't, we don't do that. We just, we just get mad. <laughs> and then we get more irritated and, and more mad. And I only know because I, I, I lived it. And I still do. I still struggle and still deal with irritation and things and, and not handling stuff correctly and well. But I'm working at it just like you are because I know this is the path that God has. And if it's 7 years, 14 years, 28 years, 32 years, whatever it is, God's faithful. And whatever he has promised, he is faithful and just to bring those promises into our life. Amen? Let's stand up and let's pray this morning. I know this. In 1 Corinthians, Paul encourages us. In chapter 9, he says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body, and I make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.